want people to know that like you know it does get better because mm-hmm. i remember like when everyone kept saying to me it gets better it does get better and i remember saying like you know it's another day and it's not got better it's got worse and then the next day i'd say it's not got better it's got worse yeah. and i actually remember we were talking about this earlier about photographic memory i remember exactly where i was when i stood in tesco's and i said do you know what today's got better Hello, I'm Sean McDonald. You're listening to Blethered, and I'm joined by Elspeth McIntyre. Just a few years ago, Elspeth was in the grips of a severe eating disorder, and at the worst point, was very realistically not far from death. Elspeth looks back in some key periods in her life, situations and events that compounded and led to a detrimental relationship with food and how she was initially blind to the reality of it. You'll hear about the layers of denial and deception to make sure that she could carry on uninterrupted. And Elspeth corrects some common misconceptions around eating disorders and she details her road to recovery and describes what her mindset is like now. And on top of that, there's a lot more. I've gone to every genuine effort to ensure that this topic was handled with the respect and care that it deserves, with the usual humour throughout. With this being such a sensitive subject, if you feel that the discussion of eating disorders and their consequences will be particularly upsetting, then I would recommend giving this episode a miss for now. It'll be here for you if you feel a wee bit more ready for it in future. If you're sticking around, then thanks for joining us and I hope you enjoy. If you do, why not share it somewhere and if you're feeling extra generous, leave a review wherever you listen. Right, let's go. I feel like Silla Black, because I always say to people, like, what's your name? Where do you come from? But you're not a famous person. I know nobody. Yeah, you're not, you know me. <laughs> you're not particularly well known in that sense, so we have to, you know, the person listening is going to want a wee bit of background, so please give us it. Tell me about where you where you grew up. Um, so I grew up in the Scottish Highlands, so... Where we currently are. Is this, does this come <laughs> under the Highlands? Yeah. Aye, so, but it's a wee bit of sort of... Um, information for you. I've never been further north than Aberdeen and I find myself in Inverness. Or like, is this the outskirts of Inverness? Just on the outskirts, so yeah, near mm-hmm. the airport. Beautiful drive up. Mm-hmm. It was amazing. Sorry, I, I just... T- it would be. I know, I just completely interrupted you. I apologise. So you grow up in the Highlands. So yeah, further north. Um, so the big bridge you've seen. Yeah. Just north of there. Okay. Um, not over Loch Ness. <laughs> the sea. Where is Loch Ness behind us? It's behind you. Yeah, okay. Confusing. It's a confusing place. Anyway. <laughs> you had quite Stunning, a, though. You had a complex um, home life, would you say? Yeah, so um, my parents split up when I was about seven, eight. So right. we moved... Well, I first lived in a little tiny place called Conan Bridge, which would mean nothing to you or probably anyone else. Then moved to Dingwall. Um, home of Ross County. I knew you were going to say <laughs> that. Yeah. <laughs> Next to the Mallard, so yeah, um, no, so lived there, uh, growing up with my sister and my dad and my mum, and then me, my mum and my sister moved for sort of the outskirts of Dingwall. So is it just one sister you've got? 
a loaded <laughs> question. Are there, are there other siblings? Uh, so yeah, there's five. Five of you? Six. So, well, five, so right, I've got okay. five brothers and sisters and me now, so yeah. Some of them are what, half siblings, step one siblings? Half, um, three step and one full. Is that, you know, like everybody's family to them is normal because that's just all they've ever known? Was that complex for you? Was it difficult? I think like, so it's kind of been that sort of situation since I was maybe 10. So it's kind of just been the norm. Like I knew my brother, me and my brother were in the same year at school. So I knew him growing up. That's mental, isn't it? From when I was like four or five. I, w- I want to try and put the lesson in this. Think back to being at school. And there's a boy or a girl that you kind of know who they are because they're in your class. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, by the way, this is your new brother. You'd be like, what? Like that's yeah, how so the hell? that I think that would rock me. I, I grew up just me and my mum, no siblings. Yeah. So to me, to try and get my head around that is like, nah, it's fucking mental. I remember like we were in all the same classes like growing up and um, we were in maths together like in fifth year or sixth year and I remember the teacher because we would like bicker because we're brother and sister yeah. at that point and the teacher would be like you never have to see each other again after you leave school <laughs> <laughs> and I was like he's moving in in two weeks <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he did so that is metal I went from like you know just left school I'm like 17 and like never thinking I'm gonna see most of like the guys or yeah. girls at school anymore and then like I tied to them I'd I'd walk down the stairs and there'd be like a load of guys from my year at school just sitting having breakfast. Oh, I would take that. <laughs> so, yeah. But did, did you adjust to it or was it, were you a bit resistant? You know, we kind of, we weren't that close um, to begin with, but um, I think when me and I had a long-term ex, when we broke up, he was just, he was there for me. Mm. Like, the whole time I remember... Um, one day, like I think it just happened, and there was only me. He actually drove back up the road from Glasgow to come and stay with me to make sure I was okay. Oh, and that's he nice. um, sat on the floor of my bedroom until I fell asleep before he left to make sure that he knew I was going to be okay and stuff. So, but I mean, from it, then onwards, like we've been so close. Yeah, I mean, biggest thing I'm picking up then. Obviously, a very nice and decent person, but probably he was the same boat as you. It's probably yeah. just as weird. It's <laughs> probably just as weird for him as it was for you. Yeah, because he moved into my house. I mean, it's yeah. just, uh, we both call it just our home. Like, well, we obviously yeah. don't live there anymore, but, um, like, it's just home to us. Where know? is it? In Dingwall. Oh, that's still in Dingwall, right? So, yeah, okay. still in Dingwall. Um, but, yeah, he's down in Glasgow now still, so. Right. And we'll we'll go straight to kind of what we're going to talk about. So, I don't even know where to begin. Where does the story begin for you? Um... It's kind of, it's a bit of a confusing one because nobody kind of knew about it until very recently. You didn't even know about it until no, I brought it up. I've known you for quite a few months. Yeah, not until you kind of shared, you had the the Instagram page. Yeah. And I learned about the art. And we'll, we'll go into all that. People yeah. might be thinking, what? What, what? what? what are we talking about? <laughs> we'll, we'll go into all that. But yeah, it was a bit of a shock for me. Um, yeah. But once I saw it, I thought, oh, wow, there's a whole other new, like, story here that I just wasn't aware of. Yeah, so, um, nobody apart from maybe my mum and my ex knew about it until, would it have been 2021? Wow. Um, but yeah, I'd say it started probably when I was about age three. Like, it's such a silly little thing, so from, like, at the beginning, like, um... 
you go you go for the start and I'll sit back quietly. I promise not <laughs> promise not to interrupt with nonsense. Um, unless I've got a question I feel is pertinent enough to ask. Yeah, so um like age three, like I don't really obviously remember anything, but um like my family would always kind of mention me things growing up but would kind of relate back to them. Like so if I was having certain items of food, like it had to be smaller than like my pinky which is ridiculous and my pinky would have obviously been tiny at that age so unless something was like tiny yeah i wasn't eating it and if somebody cut it up once it was on my plate i wouldn't eat it so i was obviously very fussy and picky with food from a young age and they would have to tell me that things were haddock flavored chicken and beef flavored chicken (laughs) and turkey flavored chicken or i wouldn't go near it god so everything had to be some sort of chicken, or I didn't want to know. Um, so I assume that kind of stopped when you were a kid, or did that continue into adulthood? Because surely you would not be so gullible, or you could just figure that out for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the last time they did it to me, I was probably 25. <laughs> so you genuinely believed that... You- I, I just can't get my head around that. Like, and I'm not even trying to take the piss, right? Because it's obviously like a, I'm a wee bit. But it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's obviously like a sort of deep psychological thing for you. Yeah, so they did it. Um, we were at my stepsister's for Christmas. It was Boxing Day. I think, yeah, I must have been about 25. And they were, like, her husband does shooting and stuff, like wild shooting. And him, they'd got partridge or something okay and they were like shut out a pear tree (laughs) literally they were like no chance for getting elspeth to eat this and they were like tell her it's chicken (laughs) and um it wasn't until i'd eat it and i was like guys this isn't chicken like i was like you used to get me with this when i was younger but i was like this isn't and they just kept they were all in on it um so yeah there was quite a lot of them because like my brother, my sister, her husband, mum, my stepdad, like nephews, everything were there. So why chicken? Was that just seem well, the most palatable thing for you in your head? This is the irony in that it's one of my biggest fears now. Chicken? Chicken, it's, yeah. So, I mean, we'll get to the kind of crux of the point though. So as a wee kid, as a sort of three-year-old, you're very fussy with food. Uh-huh. And that, do you think, was that connect? I'm assuming the oh God, I'm kind of jumping ahead, but I'm, I'll have, I'm assuming that you've kind of undergone some form of type of therapy. So nothing happened until 2020. Mm. So from the age of three up until I was 27, right. I kind of just pretended it wasn't a thing. Right, but you're just very fussy in particular with so what I was, you ate. I was fussy with what I ate. And then, um, like, things kind of just sort of muddled through. Um, and it was, you know, it was relatively fine for a while. And then I remember maybe age about 14, 15. I remember my mum kept making comments and saying, like, about me being quite thin. Mm. And I was like, oh, like, why is she why is she thinking this, like I'm fine. And I wasn't really paying attention to the fact that I wasn't really eating. Um, And this is where I kind of had the thing with chicken coming in. Um, I'd had food poisoning age, I don't know, 12 or something. And it really put the fear in me. Put the fear of being unwell? Yeah. So like 
I was just always, you know, really wary of chicken not being fully cooked. Like right, was, okay. You know, like, it was one of those places at the side of the road, is it like a little chef or something? Yeah. And what are you talking about the one on the, uh, the road to Perth? There's one... It's... There's, there used to be plenty. All <laughs> oh, right, because but there's one that's particular, because they're all gone now. Yeah. There's one with the signage is still there when you're driving up to Perth. I don't know which one it was, but it was on my way to Dundee, so it could well have been. Aye. You, you know, the ones used there's to get, like, little there... CDs as, like... Yeah, and there's a Starbucks beside it. Anyway, this is pure but people at listening going, got them the fucking story. <laughs> so anyway, so you um, go to Little Chef. So yeah, so I was at... Yeah, so I was there, got food poisoning. It was when I went to see my granny and granddad and... I spent three days being sick, so I didn't see anybody, and then went back home. I can see why that would impact you as a wee kid. It's yeah. horrible. Like the, I remember eating something at a sleepover, being sick during the night, and the thought of it now, this happened in 2003, mm-hmm. the thought of it now makes me want to pass it, the thought of eating, ever eating this food. So, yeah, it, yeah I can get why that would... So, yeah, it completely, like, it just threw me off completely, and I was like, I, like chicken had to be checked like mm. i'd be there with the torch <laughs> making uh, yeah. sure that the chicken perfectly reasonable <laughs> was fully cooked and stuff but um i'd say like i didn't have a very great diet at that sort of age like you know you'd go to the indians um like down the street yeah. and, with your friends and stuff we'd go to burger kings and just yeah, it wasn't, yeah just what kids do and it just yeah it eating. wasn't your healthy sort of lifestyle and i think you know it's fair to say i put on probably quite a bit of weight after my mum having like the original kind of worry yeah um but I know that I did kind of wear I don't remember it much but I I remember wearing a lot of baggy clothes Mm. trying to hide it because I was like I'm fine like I don't need to go to a doctor is like and I don't think I really had full understanding of what um eating disorders or anything were at that time Mm. like my best friend um she had quite a lot of comments from from mainly guys in school about her weight and stuff and she stopped eating completely and she was just drinking shakes and things and we all kind of knew that it wasn't right but nobody yeah. knew i just don't think anyone was educated do you know i don't think people particularly are to this point even mm-hmm. even to now i know i mean i maybe i suppose i'm to a degree because i'm a pure fitness fanatic mm-hmm. and through self-education and also playing football my whole life and, yeah. and the even people are up to people hang about with but even then i don't know if i necessarily would be able to spot signs in anybody else yeah. and if we're talking what 15 or so years ago probably even harder to and then how do you broach that as a chip so it's a totally multi sort of layered thing yeah but it's it's probably something i think at one point or another that most people have either experienced or seen but still know little about it. Because when, I don't mean to go down the route of the whole, you know, like in 2019, the whole discourse around mental health started. Mm-hmm. And even now, when I say those words, I kind of cringe a bit. And I hope people know what I mean by that, because it's become a buzzword. Yeah, It's become something that's in vogue, that gets tracked in their engagement. And I think it's kind of lost a lot of its sincerity and meaning. But it's kind of the same. When, when will people ever sit down and talk about their eating habits or their... their issues with their own self-image or it's such a taboo subject which is is why like i'm mainly wanting to do this Mm -hmm. today because so much goes unnoticed yeah and you know that had that would have had lasting impact you know my friend i know it did oh god Um, to this this day i would bet 
she's she's you know she brought it up not too not too long ago actually um kids can be fucking nasty like oh yeah awful like and the words that they said and i wasn't that fully aware of them doing it Mm -hmm. but it obviously was happening to the point where it was affecting her it's a shame and she lost a lot of weight and she didn't she didn't need to do you know what i mean yeah she was beautiful still is and um she just felt that she needed to do something about it because of what they were saying yeah i mean it's completely stating the obvious here but by traditional western beauty standards you're expected to be completely thin but still have shape about you and, and things that are actually very contradictory to each other do you yeah. know what i mean they're like sort of juxtaposed in a way um yeah but like then if you're too thin it's a problem yeah it's like be thin but you need to have you know this that and the next thing like fucking hell but then unfortunately then what happens is especially at that formative period bad habits can start mm-hmm. was that what started with you like we habits that then become really sort of almost dangerous so i think in a way um, it kind of did at that point. So I remember, like, I would eat, you know, certain amounts. Like, I wasn't eating too little most mm-hmm. days. But then there'd be some days where I know I would just basically have a naan bread when I was out with my friends and I'd have energy drinks. No. And I was getting my getting my energy from drinking, what's that? Rip off of Red Bull, is it Kick or something? Oh, that's loads of them. Blue no Child, idea. just something Awful, anyway, but I used to drink a lot of them a day That's, that'll tear your insides it'll probably make you dead on edge and anxious and yeah so it jittery. didn't didn't do amazing things for me but it gave me the energy and mm. the weight obviously fell off um and then it kind of got to the stage where i um was leaving school i moved down to edinburgh then i moved down to glasgow um was there for four years and you know i was eating out a lot of times and the weight kind of came back on. Yeah. And I think probably too much at that point. And then it was kind of, you know, comments coming from the other side of it. Mm. Of People telling you you were putting weight on. Yeah. That's a funny one, that, isn't mm. it? I think that the crux of it, and I, I get that it's definitely, there may be some grey areas and whatever, but what right does anybody have to ever say to another person, You've gained a couple of kilos. Excuse me? Like, what? Like, why? That's not on. And this is the thing. That's not me being a wee sensitive soul. I just don't say that to somebody. So I've noticed it back then. It wasn't so much like a thing. People were... Like, you wouldn't really... You wouldn't stop somebody from saying it, I don't think, back then. But I think nowadays you would. Yeah. But the problem is, is nowadays people make a lot of comments on how thin somebody is. Yeah, oftentimes people see that as actually being far more permissible, don't they? Mm-hmm, and it's... that's where my issues were later down the line. Right. Um, and I've noticed it's kind of flipped and people say a lot of comments, you know, if you're too too thin now, but nobody will kind of, everyone tiptoes around. Yeah, uh, do, do you know what I mean? There may be people listening that think, no, I've said to my friend out of complete concern, and that's fair enough. If you suspect your pal is anorexic or bulimic or something, I think yeah. that's that's fair comment to kind of be like, look, I think we should approach this. But it's maybe even about the way that you do it. And this isn't me being the whole, you know, that, that's another term I hate so much, but 
hashtag snowflake generation. Yeah. Can I see it to hurt anybody's feelings? I don't mean like that, but you say it's something you, you approach that in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. They can either double down, they can they can retreat more, they can probably hide things for you more. Yeah. If you're going to approach that and you have good intentions, fair enough, but you need to do it, it gently. It needs to be done in a certain way, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, I definitely had, you know, um, just been having a really unhealthy lifestyle. I was going out it's every... Like, sounds like yo-yoing for you. Yeah, completely. I had such an unhealthy lifestyle. We were going out at, what was that place, Campus? Yeah. <laughs> what year? Because I would have probably been there. <laughs> 2012 it would have been. Oh, I'd, 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 I'd kind of moved on at that point, but <laughs> I was going up to about 2009 because the last time I went, I think I got a picture with Jedward. Did because you? the X Factor, for some reason, I don't know how they swung this, right? But Campus is a bar, by the way, in Sucky Hall Street. And they somehow had a contract that whoever got knocked out of the X Factor the following weekend, the first place he would be was Campus. And I went and got a picture with Jedward. I was actually trying to get out, it'll be somewhere. Lucky you. I know. <laughs> um, I see you going to places like that and just, you probably have. Garage, jumping jacks. Yeah, listen, you're in, a, you're in a new city, aren't you? And you're enjoying it. And then I was out twice a week, you yeah. know, um, drinking quite a lot and, yeah, just living an unhealthy lifestyle. But I was having fun mm. um, until I wasn't. Mm. Um, I was in a long-term relationship at that point, which is one of the main reasons why I actually moved through to Glasgow and we ended up living together. We were living together by, I think, age 20. So... See, I, I did that at 23. Recipe yeah. for disaster, man. And I did so, that abroad. Yeah. So I know it's like when you're away from your home city as well, it's like an extra layer of, of pressure. Yeah, so... Um, I mean, we could have even been 19 pretty much when we were... Absolutely no harm to the person I lived with. If she's, if she's listening, I don't mean it. I, just was, <laughs> I was so conscious of that there. It was just because we were young. That's... Yeah, so, um, yeah, we moved in together in 1920. We'd been together, you know, f- three years by that point, yeah. maybe. So it kind of felt like the right thing to the do. The next step when you're still a kid. I was a kid. Yeah. Let's be serious. And, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it was... Um, the best sort of relationship but it was kind of you know that's how I thought relationships were I had been 16 17 when we got together mm. so I just kind of assumed you didn't have anything to, be, to compare I, it yeah, against yeah nothing to compare it to so uh, everybody listening going up oh, been there <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's life isn't it yeah so um so then he wanted to move back home so I was moving back home mm. so it was one of them um so then we got um, our house together back home. Um, again, another place that you're not going to know of, <laughs> but not too far from here. Um, and then suddenly I kind of was getting these really bad stomach pains. And I was convinced there was like some sort of undiagnosed mm. problem. I was getting every procedure under the sun. They were talking about doing therapy I had colonoscopies, was it gastroscopy? Body you know, the ones where you know when they, endoscopy, that's one. Right, okay. So like when they put... A lot of invasive checks. Yeah, so um, had to get put to sleep quite a few times, getting every single scan possible. Um, even had this one where they brought it over from Germany and they have, you have to swallow a camera. Oh God. And you, let's check a wee Teletubby. <laughs> So you have like this little camera on your stomach, which is showing the camera that's going around yeah. your 
your belly. No, I couldn't watch that. Um, so yeah, so I had to wear that for most of a day. You couldn't lie down or anything with it. Sick. And it didn't work. Um, and this is this is all just to find out why you've all of a sudden get these phantom stomach pains. Yeah. So um, you know, I was in so much pain. I would still try to get to work. I'd put like strap a hot water bottle to my stomach and go through my working day just to try and get by basically like I'd have to go home at lunchtime to take medication I'd have to you know go and have lie downs when I was on lunch and stuff so it was really debilitating I couldn't go anywhere I was in absolute agony and I was being sick and everything most days so then I started having to cut out certain foods out my diet and this is where it really kind of brought everything to the fore back again so and this isn't even where it kicked off worse <laughs> that was another five years later I think so by this point I was like maybe 23 24 mm-hmm. um in hospital I remember going into a on my birthday one year and it was just because I drank and the alcohol had affected the acid in my stomach I actually got a stomach ulcer from it all jeez I was like, maybe it's from all the energy drinks I was drinking when I was younger. Um, and I didn't actually find out what the issue was until two years ago. So and what was it? Anxiety. It, really? So, wow. So anxiety can, can physically impact you in that way. Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you get to the root of what that was? So I was going through all this. They cut out gluten from my diet. Um, they cut out most food from my diet. I was literally eating like dry toast, rice, uh, hardly plain any calories to get I by. I was just literally eating really bland foods, bare mm. minimum. Um, and then at this point as well, like I lost both my granddads within the space of three months. Um lost the house of my ex he'd gone off with somebody else um sold the house and everything so from underneath like without you knowing is that something you can't really go <laughs> kind into of. <laughs> um, so i knew we were selling the house but i was sort of under the impression we were buying another one oh. yeah so that's definitely going to compound some stress so yeah and this was in the September and I lost my granddad in the August so it was a lot that is tough um yeah so this was when um my ex sort of ended things by just by text message after about nine ten years so all my family was away abroad this is when my brother came home from Glasgow um my best friend like I phoned her at the time she was over in her pajamas within five minutes um, I had such good support sort of around me at the time. Um, but yeah, it's a bit more messy than it is. It's not as straightforward, obviously, mm, yeah. as that. But, um, you know, there was a lot of contributing factors to anxiety within the relationship. It wasn't a good relationship, especially near the end. I mean, obviously, you have your happy times, but... What were the I, lowest times? I spent a lot of the time, you know, in that house that we had, probably... 90% of it just by myself and stuff and I'd kind of distance myself from family and friends and were you were you sort of manipulated or forced into that or was I that think there way? was a lot of sort of 
manipulation in it. Yeah. But I can I don't censure think I, discomfort, so I won't push yeah, any further. I didn't on sort of. I don't think I had a very good understanding of kind of anything until it was when I listened to one of your podcasts actually. Beginning was of it this Poppy? year, I think it might have been. Poppy was talking about the guy in Denmark that was very yes. controlling. It wasn't until I listened to that that I kind of was like, hold on a second. Because I that... actually messaged you yes. about it. This is how we... Light bulb moment. I was trying to remember and I was like, it was because of a podcast. And I'm going, which one was it? It was that. That is it. So for anybody who hasn't heard that when I interviewed Poppy Morrigan. Such a good Such podcast. a fantastic person. And she was so really open with, with the experience that she'd had when she moved to Copenhagen on a bit of a whim um, with her then partner. And things went completely sour, um, and he would manipulate. It was essentially domestic abuse, yeah. if we, what you call it, what it is. But it was pretty insidious and beneath the surface, and a lot of subtlety to it. And this is a term that's thrown around a lot, which again kind of loses all meaning, which is a frustration. But she was being gaslit and told, yeah. "No, you're nuts. You're just imagining this." And mm-hmm. poor girl would then be questioning herself until one day she just went, "Nah, it, enough's enough." But it, the level of control was so, so intense. You don't notice it though when yeah, you're in so it. Like ingrained. I still to this day question: it, Was it me? Like was it just me? Yeah. Mis- like am I just remembering it wrong? But and that shit's punishable by law now. Yeah. Coerce, it comes under domestic abuse and coercive behaviour, and, and rightly so. Um, and it, it is this that sort of subtlety. So uh, yeah, I, I won't push on that anymore because yeah, I can sense like your discomfort. I almost like sort of feel like I need to protect, but then it's like yeah. That's, Why that's do com- I? But it's more that I just, I guess, don't really want to drag up completely the past sort of thing. But yeah, I can so, definitely see why. I mean, the doctors at the time, they were like, we think you've got anxiety. We think you might need to go into medication. And I'm just like, they're not doing their job. Like, why aren't they looking into my stomach? Open my stomach up and you'll find out the problem. Yeah. I was convinced like that well, it's they were off- just trying to pass it off as something else. This is often kind of misinterpreted or misconstrued as being a sort of new age happy bullshit and stuff but it is true that your your mental state and you know within the very deep recesses of your even your subconscious mind will have an impact in, oh, in your, your physical state and there is a not always that's not to say you're unwell oh well your head must be fucked I don't mean that but yeah. it's like that there is, can be a very direct correlation and, and as has evidently been the case for you I'm so in tune with it now but see back then I was in complete denial I mm. was like you know and they were asking about like my relationship and my job and everything and I was like again protecting I was like there's nothing wrong like yeah. what is it and they were digging and digging and digging and I was like what are they trying to find tell you what though man I don't I don't want to give it the whole round of applause for the medical team but wow like that's a whole it's a very broad approach and, and which I has actually worked. went back um so when I everything kind of kicked off two years ago which we'll go on to I actually went back to that doctor and I actually thanked them yeah because I was like you know you've seen me week in week out for ages and and you were right do you remember and their I, names and all that you can give them a, a, a special commendation right here if you want his name I've it's gonna, it's gonna come back. To if me. it does come back, I think why well, he deserves a proper acknowledgement, you know. Like I literally, like, I, I didn't see it at the time. Yeah. Um, but I was, I'm still trying to think of his name now. <laughs> we'll come back to that it one. It will come back to me, but um, yeah, but. So, so when did, did they put you on medication? Then did it? No, did it start? no, no. I completely refused. Oh, you resistant? Um, 
I mean, there was obviously the stomach ulcer, but that had come, you know, from all the stress and yeah. stuff. So I'm, I mean, I'm on stomach medication for life now. Oh God. So yeah. So, and then, you know, when we cut out all the gluten and most of the food, when I then went to try and reintroduce the food, my stomach then started. Saying no thanks. Yeah, basically. So, um, and I think I did have, you know, uh, an intolerance to mm-hmm. gluten, but I don't think it was as bad as what it is now. Yeah. Like, I can't even have, like, you know, a crumb of gluten these days. Really? Um, and it's all, you know, I put it all down to that. If I wasn't going through the sort of ang- anxieties, yeah, I probably wouldn't have had to cut all that food out. I wouldn't have mm. now got all the allergies that I do have, which is crazy to think back on. Like, it's completely changed my life. But um, at the point where I then was, you know, having small amounts of bland foods and I was the pain was reducing mm. I kind of felt like I got my life back mm-hmm. so and then life finds a way of going like nope completely so I had lost all the weight that I'd put on unhealthily but I'd lost it all in an unhealthy way this is something I really wanted to talk about and I got a few questions and these are kind of yes no and again, I always have to say, I'm like, please, you listening, don't misinterpret this. But did you look good in your head? Are you looking going, oh, I'm looking great here? When because, I was... Because you've cut out all this food. Because what can actually happen is you probably drop a bit of body fat and you're like, oh, this is this is going well. Yeah, so... It's not like you looked pure terrible or ill to begin with. I, I mean, I did, but that was, you know, more the grieving process of both my grandparents. Yeah. It was kind of... So when I kind of got to maybe... So my granddad... Their second granddad died on New Year's Eve. Oh, fuck's sake. Um, I don't know. It was a very bittersweet thing. Do you know, it actually was a really, really hard day. I bet. But New Year's Eve and all the family were together. There was fireworks. It kind of just... It's a bit, there's a sort of poignant melancholy about it. And I'll never forget it. It's yeah. New Year's Eve. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And we always sort of light a big torch for him on New Year's Eve now. And it's just... Yeah, that's nice. It is. I mean, he was 97. Oh, God, what a life. <laughs> he Take was my hat off. Some, some man. I so, bet. Yeah. Um, absolutely amazing. So, yeah, it was it was hard, obviously. It's yeah. never going to be easy, but I think it was mm-hmm. very bittersweet. Um, but, yeah, come about March time, I was like, hmm, like maybe all this weight coming off hasn't been such it's a bad thing. not a bad thing. thing, yeah. That's the thing, like... So you're going to ask me yes, no questions? Well, that's what I was going to ask. So you felt as if you were looking good? Yes. Did you think, well, this is good. I'm just going to stick to these habits then because it's actually out of the madness has come a wee bit of a positive. You know, I'm looking good. I'm looking trim. Yeah, I think for that time I did actually kind of do better Mm -hmm. than what I did the next time. Because there is, I mean, I get it. Like I'm on, people tell me shut up all the time. I'm on, I'm like, to people close to me, I'm like, oh, my body fat's too high, blah, blah, blah. And I'm literally just talking about, I'm not my pan in the gym and I would like to. You're probably talking about 0.01%. I know, <laughs> but I get it, right? So I understand that, man. Nobody gets it more than me that we all put pressure on ourselves to look yeah, good. Yeah, you do. Oh, I do. I really, really do. And maybe that's some shit I need to deal with. Like, like <laughs> I, who knows? I think, it, I mean, I enjoy it. I love it. Uh, but I, I understand there's, you place this pressure on yourself but it's doing it in a healthy way and I have to say when I'm going right I need to time my body fat I'm still eating loads of food and I'm running and I'm timing you do my good re- though like the way my, that you do it yeah I'm timing my rest days and you don't try and do it too fast but I know people who just don't eat 
they'll just eat soup. And then, I mean, that has a whole load of implications I won't go into, and even just from a fitness perspective. It's like, it doesn't work. You're losing water weight. Um, you are depleted. Your body's going into starvation mode. Once you eat, you're just going to gain all that weight back and then maybe a bit more because your body... Starvation mode is not a myth. It's absolutely not a myth. And your body's like, shit, when are we next getting nutrients? And then it will stop working as efficiently and it'll stop kind of burning fat. And I think that is a huge thing. And it's something I see in people who are older than me, people that are younger than me, people my age, everybody. It's It transcends age groups, demographics, genders. It's it's doing it in the wrong way and it's this unhealthy um, way of, of doing it. And then it just, you stay in the cycle and then it, it creates this... Obsession. Yeah, and it creates a sort of self-perpetuating self-loathing because you're like... Oh, I look terrible. Oh, I'm going to. I'm not going to eat or, or whatever. I'm going to do it. Try and lose weight fast. Even try and lose weight for the Saturday. <laughs> do you know what I mean? To, so I can look a bit better. And then you you gorge on food again, and it goes back up and back down. So while you're eating loads and not eating well, you're hating yourself. And then when you're not eating enough, you feel terrible. You feel miserable. You get no energy, and it's just cycle. And like that has to be broken. And I'm not saying. You and I are here to solve the issue of body image in Scotland, but it is a start. I think a lot of people, though, who are so into their fitness like you, they don't have a very good insight. I mean, I'm definitely not one to talk about this, although I do know how it should be done. I just physically can't, yeah. which we'll come on to. But, like, with you, you'll eat healthy, but then, you know, if if you were out for a meal, you'd still have a meal um, when you're out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not going to stop yourself from that, whereas some people wouldn't. Yeah. Like, they'd be like, no, I can't, I need to... Oh, I, yeah, I do, I do want to kind of just and uh, put in there that saying that I don't... I'm not kind of having a go at anybody and saying, you should just know what I know after, like, hundreds of years of, like, reading about it all the time. I just mean, like, that's the issue, and, and it's never discussed, and it's probably something people do in silence a lot of time as mm-hmm. well. God, yeah. But yeah, I was having this conversation with um, my friend we were in the cafe downstairs um, literally last week about how the people who a lot of people would maybe look up to and to being really healthy aren't actually maybe living with a healthy relationship with food as what people think it is. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a very good point. You could, yeah. People, yeah. At t- there'll be times where my relationship hasn't been great with food. Fortunately for me, not to a massive detriment. Yeah. But I think that probably, well, how do we define a relationship with food? Is it guilt at eating... I think what like we would if define you're as rubbish. restricting yourself just to look a certain way, then it's still, you know, yeah. an issue. Mm-hmm. You're not Yeah. Yeah, as that's a very that's a complex one and one I'm in no no <laughs> place to even But there's it's it's so much wider than what people Yeah, absolutely kind of think about when they think about disordered eating or eating disorders. Like I was had this conversation with you the other day that people only think of a very... Well, ask me the question and I'll <laughs> tell you my answer and then you can go on to explain. How many types of eating disorder are there? I thought to myself and I went, mm, four. I thought maybe four. Yeah. What is the number? Nine. Yeah, that's crazy. So what are they? Well, so... shall, we, shall we try and do bingo? <laughs> I thought immediately I went bulimia, mm-hmm. anorexia, under eating. That be a thing like intentional? That sounds stupid, but being like, well, int- just not eating enough no, and, and knowing that you're not eating enough. And the wild thing is, is you have 
You haven't like mentioned the one I've got. What's the one you've got? Because <laughs> nobody, nobody knows about it. So my one was only actually brought in as an eating disorder in 2013. Made it into the Hall of Fame just recently. Yeah. So what is it? Uh, ARFID, Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. So there is um, anorexia nervosa, bulimia nervosa, binge eating. Right, okay. Oh, that come. Wow. Yeah. I always thought it was a bit, just completely a bit restriction. Nope. So I binge eat often. OSFED, which is other specified feeding or eating disorder. Then what does that mean? ARFID. I actually don't know. Right, tell me what yours okay. means. ARFID is the Avoidant Restrictive Food Intake Disorder. So you will avoid certain types of food and, and it becomes a restriction. Right, yeah. okay. There's I a know few some here days. that I still don't know about. Like, I've been trying to read more about them, but obviously yeah. I was researching any, my own one first. If anybody else wants the list in the Hall of Fame, you, they can go and search it. But we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll t- kind of talk about yours then. So you PICA, Rumination Disorder, and Specified feeding or eating disorder and then the final one is actually linked with diabetes right. um, because there's a lot of people who obviously will have restrictions from kind of similar to my allergies in a way they've got a lot of restrictions right, okay. from being diabetic and not being able to eat certain foods oh. that it actually becomes into God is how I sort of seen into it anyway but um so, so, how, so how do things culminate for you because we get to the point where you're going oh I'm actually looking all right here but I'm assuming it goes just way too far I actually got into a really good way with I got PT got a PT called Ryan he was really good at kind of getting me back into a healthy sort of mm-hmm. lifestyle with the eating I think he kind of knew about the eating disorder before I did right yeah I think he kind of... Probably seen those patterns before. Yeah, and I was just... I was I was like, I'm absolutely fine. Um, forgot to actually mention, I ran a baking business for nine years, which... Seems like quite a large part of your life. <laughs> forget about that. Um, so this ran until 2021. How complex is that? So you're making cakes but not eating them? So this hid the eating disorder. Ah. <sighs> Very like... well. How could a cake maker possibly have a bad relationship with food? Like she's making sugary treats for everybody. Yeah, and so yeah, she. Do you have any cakes in here? <laughs> I don't. <Good. laughs> Do you know, they actually just candy kittens. Um, I actually made a few batches. Um, last week it was. Actually. I was worried when I came to record this that you were going to be like, here, there's a selection of cakes. I'm like, no. Got rid of them two days ago. Oh, good, right, good. That's what I want to hear. Anyway, sorry. You want to hear, but you don't want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so um, I had it really well. Uh, at that point, you know, I was making a name for myself with the baking business, and I was also working hard in the gym. So. I ha- sorry, I have to kind of point out for people, the baking business was like, it was booming. Yeah. It was making a lot of money. It was, yeah. it was like a business. This wasn't a hobby, it was a business. Yeah, it was a business, and I ran it alongside working full-time management in the nursery as well so it was it was busy and I went to the gym six days a week but because everyone knew I went to the gym six days a week that's why they knew I was in such good shape so nobody questioned it as it went on and on and I kind of hid it really well um so yeah so I got into a really good um you know relationship with the gym I actually started eating a bit better like I was making actual meals Mm -hmm. um 
because I've never had an interest in cooking. I can you, bake, but I can't cook. See, because of the state of your diet, were you just like, oh, a packet of rice or, you know, a wee bit of chicken here and there, just not enough. But people probably would have looked at you and went, you eat clean, you eat well, but you're yeah. just not eating enough. But like, I'd make, like, fajitas, but instead of using the rats, because I couldn't have them, I'd use lettuce as, like, a wrap. You would hate it. No, no. Um, <laughs> funny you say that, but I... I quite, I'm into that type of thing. And I just had like avocado with the chicken, but... Avocado. Yeah, Sorry, it's a line the, um, the portion sizes were always quite small. Um, but yeah, I kind of stayed healthy-ish shape. Yeah. Now, to this point, when I say that I put on weight, like I was never, you know, massive. I wouldn't say I put on like... I don't want to say the wrong thing here, but I never oh, yeah, put yeah. on... You've put on a bit of weight where there's a bit of noticeable difference in you, but you wouldn't look at you. I maybe a clothes size or two. It wasn't, yeah. you know... It's very normal. A big change. Um, so when I went back down a few dress sizes, it wasn't a massive change, but it kind of just looked like I'd been working really hard in the gym. Yeah. So nobody kind of picked up on the fact that I'd gone through all this kind of trauma. It was just she's been working hard at the gym yeah and then everyone always like would comment about how i trained well but you know i'd make out that i'd eat like massive amounts of brownies and stuff at the same time so i had to go to the gym six days a week to sort mm. of burn it off so it was a so does it does that has that long been a part of your life always covering your tracks and mm. always kind of thinking people are going to wonder here and i need to come up with ways to put them off the scent Mm-hmm, completely that can't that must be really bad for your head to yeah. all, your, your brain must be going just a million miles a an million hour. miles an hour and i remember like you know if i'd finish like a meal at the house and you know say you're sat opposite me like you are just now mm-hmm. you would know how much is left on my plate but when i go to put it in the bin if there's like you know food left on it like i'd almost like push it further down the bin so that it wouldn't look like i'd yeah. left much do so you know what I mean like you you know in your head that this isn't right but if you're sat opposite me you can see what I'm leaving the table with so, so I didn't need to hide it but I almost kind of you like, do you think did things subconsciously do you think you're trying to maybe also lie to yourself yeah completely and I suppose if God if you're covering for it from other people then that's very difficult to then get to the root of that and think right let's let's change this behaviour mm-hmm. but if you're essentially like hiding it from yourself which sounds so weird but i think people get what i mean then you're a million miles away for even addressing the issue never mind you know resolving it yeah so completely and that was a lot of the problem and then at this point um obviously i'd moved back home because the relationship had broken down and then within a year or so i'd bought my own place again and the baking business just completely took off and, you know, I'm working full-time hours, so full-time for me in the nursery was about 40, 45 hours I was there. And then I was baking, you know, two, three nights a week and also delivering at the weekends and stuff. So I was pretty flat out. Picked them hand for cakes in the old Highlands, isn't it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Is that because there's fuck all else to do? <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there was, you know, a lot of hours were going into it, but there was no time for eating and I lived yeah. by myself. So nobody knew what I was eating. Yeah. So it was very easy to skip meals. Um, Which by the way, it happens. 
Mm-hmm. I go days where I've been working all day and you're like, bloody hell, man, for a guy who's always hungry, it's 4pm and I've not had anything because you're dialed in. Yeah. So that's kind of even out with your hands, but it's obviously exacerbating the situation, isn't it? Yeah, so completely. So yeah, so I was, you know, I'd get up sometimes at like six in the morning, I'd start baking and then this would be like a week- weekend when I wasn't working in my other job. And I'd get up and then by the time I'm finished doing the rest of my baking and decorating, it's lunchtime. And then I'm straight out the door and delivering for four hours or something. Yeah, and that's a lot. then I'd maybe like, you know, have a bit of water, have a little snack, but I'm eating bare minimum. Then sometimes on the Saturday I'd come home and I'd be, you know, finishing baking till two in the morning, go to bed, back up at six or seven the next day. And a lot of my issue was I would put gluten in food so that people wouldn't try and get me to taste things because I'm allergic to gluten. The level of of secrecy, um, secrecy and deception and mm-hmm. I don't want to say deceitful because that sounds it as if but it's, it sounds as if there's malice in that and it's more just for you but do you start to become like do you kind of become consciously aware like right um why am I doing this or, or, or going out to those those lengths just not to eat? Cause so my, I think my... for me, I just, I didn't want to eat the treats because I was around them all day. I just didn't want them. But people would always be like, oh, try one. And I'm like, yeah, I don't want to. Like, I See, couldn't like think of anything worse. In the Cadbury's factory, the myth was you're allowed to eat whatever you want because you'll be sick. Yeah, exactly. And I think... You know, a lot of the stuff I had, like, the, as further I got on, you know, it would have Biscoff, and I was so nervous of the cross-contamination and making myself sick, and I did so many hours, I couldn't be off for a day. Yeah. So I would not want to eat anything until I'd maybe completely cleaned down the kitchen and then eat my own food. Um, so I would just, you know, if, if I knew somebody was going to try and um, get me to eat something, not that they were trying to force me to eat something, but just obviously they... If they were having something, they'd, yeah. they'd want me to have something too. And people do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm kind of like, like, right, so I'm, again, to be boring, we'll take it back to the most important thing, me. Yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> but I get it, and, mm-hmm. and, and for me, it's a healthy behaviour. Like, people like, have a cake with my grandpa, for example, yeah. right? We go for coffee, what, about nine times a week. All the time. Aye. Uh, we go before we've had lunch, and then we go after we've had lunch, right? <laughs> And he's always like, get a cake. And I'm like, mate, no, because I'm thinking and I'm sticking to my diet and he'll be on at me. And, I'm, and I'll have to go through it with him all the time. I'm like, I'm not, like, it's not, this is an eating disorder. I'm like, it just it'll fuck up my, what I'm trying to achieve. So yeah. no. And I was like, and it's about 4,000 calories if I get one every time we come somewhere. But that's from a healthy perspective. And people always go, I know, right, okay, fair enough. So that probably then further enables you. Not that they've done anything wrong, but they're going, mm-hmm. oh yeah, fair, fair point. Yeah, so, like, a lot of the stuff did have gluten. So, like, say, for example, like, some of the chocolate I use has got gluten. And obviously, I would, like, everyone who knew, was buying the bakes from me would knew. It wasn't just, like, you know, stuffing gluten in there. Yeah, <laughs> trying to poison them. Tell no. it to the judge, <laughs> Um So, yeah, but, um, like, I remember I then had, like, a new partner. We were through in Forest, and if I was baking anything there... I would always make sure that I drizzled it in this certain type of chocolate that I couldn't eat. And I'd be like, oh no, I've done it again. And they would all eat it, you know, after their dinner. And yeah. I would just sit there. And it was just so I didn't have to... What, am I a sneaky feeder? 
that's must be what I looked like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this last she's trying to poison us, man. Like I know. Um, so yeah, um, it was kind of a lot. Kind of went into it without me almost realizing, and I was doing it more and more. Mm. And um, you know, people would be like, "Oh, you know, have you had have you had lunch?" Like nobody's there to see. Yeah. So I'd be like, "Yeah, I have." What have you had? And I'd say fresh air. So I was just, you know, ice making things up but I could feel myself getting weaker and weaker yeah um and there was kind of a couple of light bulb moments um just before we kind of went into lockdown I'm gonna have to bring it up that's what it was <laughs> I knew something happened forgot so, about that <laughs> so I was staying mainly with his parents at the time and one day we were I think we just had dinner and um I looked down, I went to move my hands, and my hands were completely stuck. Oh, fuck. My fingers had completely jammed into position. I'll show you what it was like. Oh, my God. So, my for wrist. the... I sound as if I'm in a police interview. For the benefit of the tape, of the purpose of the tape, it's just like two claws. Kind of, yeah. I've God. got pictures on my phone, but... Um, it looks really painful my, as well. Yeah. So, your body just went, nope. We've, we're running on empty, and we can we're now no longer function. And... You know, my my um, partner at the time and his mum, you know, they were very concerned. Mm. And I'm like, I'm fine. Be. Like, I'm fine. And they were like, we ah, need to phone 111. You, you ain't fine. Yeah, so I actually phoned my dad and he was like, you need to phone 111. Um, because obviously I couldn't move my hands and I couldn't really move my arms. And even if they tried to move my fingers, they were completely stuck. I couldn't do anything. What is 111? Is that like a non-999 type yeah. number? Right, okay. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, speed dial for me. <laughs> um, but you yeah. had to phone him a few weeks ago. We'll get, we'll get onto that as well. <laughs> um, yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. um, They're like, hi, you again? It's me. For the usual, is it? They Something actually else? send me texts asking how I am. And, <laughs> they send you um, a Christmas card. <laughs> they send me regular surveys because I'm a, I'm a good user. customer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she must love it in here. She's always coming back. Honestly. So, so you phoned 111. So I phoned 111 and me be me. You'll learn to know that I'm very stubborn. Um, my hands kind of went back to normal before I actually got through to them and I hung up. And I didn't do anything with it. Yeah, that's that's denial though, isn't it? Which again, wouldn't advise. Um, and I was in complete denial. And I was like, I'm fine. And um, they were like, you know, have a banana. And I was like, I'll have a couple of mouthfuls of it. I don't need anything. I'm absolutely fine. Like, I'm obviously just tired. I was making up excuses. That's ob- I've obviously done too much baking. It was just anything, any excuse I could think of was coming out at that point. And... I had a bit of banana and I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> trying to get a sweet sorry. Was it potassium that's in bananas? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, maybe I was just a bit low. Do you know what I mean? So I just, I blagged my way through it and didn't think anything much of it until a few weeks later. Um, I got to a point where I was struggling to breathe. And every time I took a breath in, I was getting really sharp pains in my chest. Mm. And I was like, okay, maybe there is something here. Maybe I'm not, you know, eating enough as I should be. Um, Maybe I'm running myself into the ground because I'm working, you know, two jobs in effect. Um, Again, still kind of in denial about it. 
um, my work weren't very, very good at the time. Not understanding? No, I phoned up my boss to say that, um, you know, I was having chest, chest pains. And um, at this point I was in a nursery through in Murray. Um, Murray is towards Aberdeen for you. For yeah. your benefit more than anyone else's. <laughs> <coughs> Douglas Ross's constituency. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, yes. So yes. Um, Gimp. So yes. Yeah, so I was in a nursery through there and I phoned my manager to say I was having really bad chest pains. Again, I was going to have to phone my best friends, 111. <laughs> um, and she wasn't happy because it meant she would have to get up and go and open the nursery. Oh, fucking God love you. So I got... I actually... You know, I took took some medicine, spoke to one one one, agreed I'd go in and get some blood tests done by the doctors, and I rushed into work. <sighs> and um, my boss greeted me with, "I've had to take my breakfast to work. What are you playing at?" Oh, what a sh! You had to you had to take your breakfast <laughs> to your work. Oh. We're talking half eight in the morning. We're not <laughs> talking. Somebody get Bono on the phone and set up a fundraiser for that, uh, that so stuff. That really annoys me. So this was kind of what I was up against. So I was like, she, then she was like, leave, like just go home. And I was like, I've made the whole effort to get in. I'm wanting to stay. At least go and get me a rolling sausage, I know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it wasn't, you know, wasn't a great sort of situation, no. work um, situation at that time. So it kind of played into a right, lot com- of the com- factors. Yeah. Compound a lot of the stress. Um, so yeah, so this was sort of beginning of 2020 we're at just now. And... At this point, I got um, a letter through saying that I was getting a dietitian appointment. This was from when I was, so by this point, I was 27. Mm-hmm. So from when I was 24, when I was in the hospital with my stomach pains, they referred me to a dietitian. So right. this was the dietitian referral, me getting to the top of the waiting list. Right. So I'd waited three years to see the dietitian. That's class, man. I'd be like, right, go and set me up a meal plan for mm. X. Is that kind of what that is? Where they need to be like, this is what you need to be eating? So kind of. So that's kind of what I thought it was going to be. Instead, two appointments in, they then said, you've got an eating disorder. To which I was in complete denial. And I was like, what are you talking about? Because this was the first time somebody had actually come to me and said, yeah, put you in the you've back got foot an a eating bit. disorder. And I was like, no, I don't. So anyway, I took the information away and I was like you, it's not anorexia, it's not bulimia. What are you talking about? It's obviously not, it's not, you know, much of a big deal. Um, so they sent out all the information by post. My ex didn't really want to, well, this was the partner at the time. We're not together okay. anymore. Um, he didn't really want to know about it. I think he found it a bit uncomfortable to talk about. Right. Um, so I spoke to my mum about it. And she was, you know, we need to do research on this. We need to do something with it. And I was like, no, don't. Like, it's fine. You think the nurse is full of shit, can I? Yeah, so I was just like, it's absolutely fine. And then she was like, no, I'm going to refer you to an eating disorder specialist. And I was like, I'm absolutely fine. Like, what are you talking about? Um, So, sorry, I think this actually happened just before the hand and the chest situation. So when that happened, I was like, maybe I do need the eating disorder specialist. Maybe there is something going on here that what is that like that moment of realization because you're thinking i don't have an eating disorder like that's for people that are putting their fingers down their throat or yeah you know that's for people that just don't eat whatsoever i eat i eat healthy foods that must be a 
period of major discomfort and sort of introspection. So I think I, I don't know what your big words mean, but I think... <laughs> introspection just means looking in was and kind of like being like, right, I'm going to sort of assess and see what I'm actually looking at here. What's what's staring me in the mirror? Yeah, like I knew like I wasn't eating amazingly, but I mean, I was eating cooked meals. I was eating, you know, soup for lunch. I wasn't eating... Yeah, you're eating whole foods and being yeah, like... Yeah, but it was the amount I was eating. Yeah, I wasn't little. eating enough. For somebody who's and so active. And it sounds like you didn't, didn't rest enough either. I wasn't. I wasn't sleeping properly because I was working between the two <laughs> businesses. And you were fucking starving. And I was still, you know, going to the gym quite a lot. So this was lockdown, <clears throat> just coming into. However, my ex was a personal trainer and he actually had his own gym in the grounds of like where his house was so you're it's like hearts <laughs> to see other people living your dreams and i was at yeah. the back like an absolute sad act with a barbell yeah ah, so we had you jealous know, we had we had quite a lot of equipment at that point so i was still you know working out it wasn't like i was you know stopping that at any point i was i was doing a lot um even when we went into lockdown and the schools and that shut I went in and did the, what was it called? Cumbermold. You know, I heard that. That's it, as you tell you for the Highlands. If somebody says, what's it called? The answer is always Cumbermold. Is this like a what light situation? A what? When people say what light and you say no bad yourself. <laughs> Never heard that, so <laughs> there you go. That's there we are, that's the equivalent. Cult- cultural differences. <laughs> so yeah, so... um. You were into the school. What, you know, like a key worker? Oh, key worker. So, um, yeah, so I was looking after the key children's, key workers' children. So I worked all through lockdown, pretty much. Me and one of the other girls, we worked. It's actually quite good, that. Look, looking back, mm-hmm. I, I'd much rather been doing that. Yeah, so I was, you know, and the baking business was booming because everyone was just wanting cakes really, to I mean, their door. <laughs> if you thought people in the hell had fuck all to do before but eat cakes, <laughs> now they really had nothing else to do. Exactly. So, yeah, um... I was super busy and I was running myself into the ground and I was finding it, I was finding things really difficult and at this point I didn't know why I was finding things difficult and yeah. this was kind of when things brought back to what sort of happened five years previous mm-hmm. or four years previous. So I'm through in Murray, my mum's up in the Highlands, my dad's up in the Highlands and we weren't allowed to cross between the border. And that's <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry. So I wasn't allowed to see my family. I could go through sometimes, you know, if I was doing the baking deliveries, but I couldn't go through and see any family. So the only people I seen was, you know, a couple of children at the nursery, my ex and his family. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of, I was just jealous of the fact that he had his family there. You know, he had his granddad next door, so it was in his wee bubble. Yeah. And I couldn't see... Anyone, I couldn't see any friends. All my friends were down Dundee, Glasgow. And it it wasn't until, you know, a year later that I realised that the issue was it was reminding me of when I was in the previous relationship where I lost all contact with friends and family. Mm. And it was triggering me, but I didn't know what was triggering me. So I was having a really sort of... Obviously, the anxiety was coming back the anxiety that I didn't know that I had, but I didn't know again that it was anxiety and I didn't know why I was feeling the way I was feeling. Yeah. And the only thing I could do was control my food because everything else was out of control. So for a lot of people with eating disorders, 
I'd say for a lot of people it's to do with control because you're controlling what's going in your body. Fascinating. And if you've not got control over anything else that's going on in your world, in your home life, your work life, the whole world as a whole, obviously, yeah. with the whole of COVID going on, um, then the only thing that I felt I could control was my food. And then I was in some sort of control of my life again. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. My pal Jamie, who gets a mention here all the time, he is the smartest person I know. And he thinks that um, self-image, he thinks that's that for me. Yeah. And it's something that I can have complete control over after periods, whether being younger or whatever, and feeling I've got no say over some chaos and disarray. Mm -hmm. Because I was always known as... People still comment to this day, being like 10, but having pure immaculate trainers or clothes and present yeah. presented. And I always thought, oh, that's just a wee quirk I've got. And he's like, mm, I think it might be this. So you saying that, like, struck a pure chord with me there. It's yeah. like, you can have control over it. But then where, I mean, how do we square that circle? You have control over it, but it's to your absolute detriment. Yeah, so I didn't realise, I think, at the time that it was like mm. and at that point I was then you know restricting more and more food so with the ARFID which is what I've got you kind of sometimes have maybe about 10 foods that you would rotate and any food out with that isn't sort of a safe food shall I say right okay. so if I was to introduce it I've got the fear back from when I've yeah been unwell with my stomach back when I've had the uh, food poisoning that you know my sort of relationship with food is any new foods are going to make me not well. Mm. So why would I want to put myself through that? So I'll keep myself in my little bubble eating the certain amount of food that yeah. I have. And I think with COVID as well, so I'm allergic to gluten, a lot of the food wasn't getting stocked in. So I was reducing that even more mm -hmm. just by based on what I could get in the local shop. Such a complex, complicated, long-term, interconnected web of things. Mm -hmm. And when you put it out like that, it makes me go, wow, like it runs deep. Mm -hmm. It's There's not just so that much. you want to be slim. Oh, no. So so with ARFID, it's not sort of body image related. Yeah, so for it's just, a lot uh, of people would think that eating disorders are body, purely body image related. It's like an unfortunate byproduct. Mm -hmm. That that is a pure light bulb moment. Mm -hmm. I've always thought it was connected as well. I thought if you stripped everything back, for a lot of them, obviously mm -hmm. not for binge eating, right? Because that's yeah. the opposite outcome. But I would have always thought it's purely it's because you want to look a certain way because then I think Nikki Graham do you remember mm -hmm. there was in Big Brother who very sadly has passed away and I think that was something that she battled with her whole life yeah. and at times that poor so if anybody doesn't know who I'm talking about Big Brother who is she? Where <laughs> did you find her? Remember and, and that she was just a proper wee soul and I think she lost her hair and people who knew her well would often comment in the press sort of um speaking and hinting at it without ever getting saying you know there are issues there because I used to look at her and I'd think that is such a shame and I always thought it was a need to feel to be thin but that obviously the pendulum swings too far yeah and I do not mean to be unkind but just to be blunt you'd be like 
you look terrible, you look ill. Mm-hmm. And I always wondered, how do you, how have you not seen that? That's an interesting thing that you say that. So, and I don't mean terrible as in you don't look f- be- like uh, attractive. I just mean like you're looking terrible as if you just look unwell, unwell. and it makes you worry. But there's, what's that program? It's one of the soaps. Super size versus super skinny? No, a soap. A soap. Um, is it Hollyoaks? Is that still, I think it's is still, that still a thing? still running, I think. I don't know. They had, a, they had so back when I was a teenager, so when I originally had, you know, the issues with being, you know, not looking so healthy and my mum sort of making comments. Yeah. There was a storyline on at the time where there was a girl who was anorexic. Right. And she obviously was meant to be made to look unwell to kind of raise awareness. Yeah. Which, you know, it's not really a talked about thing, especially on TV and back yeah. then. But I looked up to her. Yeah. And yeah, she looks great. Uh-huh. And I think that's maybe because I could relate to it. Hollyoaks people are like, no, no, no that, that's not what we meant. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> Go and rewrite your story. <laughs> yeah. Fuck's sake, Phil Redmond, sort yourself out, man. But that's one thing, like, you know, especially with me doing this today, um, you know, there'll be people who listen to it who will be at an early stage yeah who what? i don't want to look up to yeah. the journey i've been through yeah no it's a great point that you make it what i mean what i'm hoping is that this conversation it, it's going to be a bit longer as well but i'm not going to cut any you know much if any of it because i think there will be you saying there about people could be a certain timeline and there's a lot of sort of detail and nuance in certain parts that i think while in the the length of the story might be small but i think they're they're monumental in terms of yeah you realize like oh all right okay and it could be either somebody listening to it that maybe needs a wee bit of help and and getting to that point of realization but it also could be somebody who is like your mum exactly in the case of don't know what to say and that's what i was going to ask you if you could go back in time what do you wish your mum would have said or how do you wish she would have approached it in a way that you would have responded positively i think she's been a massive change in i mean and she was let's, she like was learning as she went yeah. along as well so i'm not saying for any any stretch she'd done it wrong she did the best that she thought she could i think i mean there's times where so at this point where we're at only my mum and my partner knew about it mm-hmm. but there was a friend who came to me last year and said oh i knew for years and they never came to me. And I think if you've got a worry about one of your friends... Yeah. And what was the reason for not saying anything? They didn't say. <sighs> they just said, oh, I knew. That, sh- that would keep me awake at night if mm. I was you. But I'm yeah. not saying you should have a grievance <laughs> with them. I don't mean, like, f- phone that bitch now. I actually don't speak to them anymore. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Get them on the phone. <laughs> right but I would be like, what? Why are you not saying it? I know. Um... Yeah, so at that point, I kind of was like, you know, there's obviously, going back, there's obviously an issue here and I need to kind of maybe address it. But the hardest thing was actually getting the help because I wasn't at a point of being, you know, really underweight. I'm not going to talk about weights and I'm not going to talk about calories, just so you know, just because it can be sort of like a A triggering thing or people could look at it as target a target or a, a goal. benchmark yeah. yeah so i'm not going to mention any of that in the next wee part that i go on to yeah but um 
so basically um i was i was losing weight but in the eyes of you know like the nhs i wasn't at a point where i was in crisis and needing right, intervention okay. it's kind of like my is it maybe like a reverse of my bmi at times says i'm overweight yeah and like, i'm definitely not but it's, it's using this barometer you're like mm, not always accurate is it yeah so it was going off that i was i was fine yeah um and this went on from i think march in 2020 until it was october 2020 that's a long time and i was my case got put through to and this is not to diss the nhs in any way because obviously there's a lot i think what we can do is is diss the NHS in the sense of it's been deliberately underfunded and yeah and uh, thing mate there's mismanagement researched and are, yeah there are a lot of people you know, there are actually a lot of people that say actually uh, funding has risen and you're like actually the percentage increase of funding has dramatically decreased yeah since 2010 I don't care if the number has gone up the percentage increase has gone down yeah and that is what we base it on so miss me with your pish because I have looked at you because I, I have to fight with Tories all the time on TV about it and I have to be equipped for it so miss me because or if you want that fight come and get it anyway sorry that's me just going off and every the thing is now. I'm going to find this statistic actually while we're just talking um, of the, the amount of hours or something that doctors get in training in eating disorders oh right is it completely minimal yeah it's a tough one isn't it because they would maybe you could possibly make the argument or maybe the distinction has been made that it's a psychological issue and therefore it's not under the remit of a yeah. a doctor per se, like you're, you're kind of standard doctor in a hospital. Um, so yeah, so my, um, my case actually got put through. So there is a hospital, not the one, uh, the main hospital here, but there's a hospital, you know, for things like mental health and yeah. eating disorders and stuff like that. And um, my case got put through to them and my case got dropped, I think three times. <sighs> Because I didn't meet the criteria. Of so there's somebody looking at numbers on a sheet and going, no, that person's fine. I think so. So I didn't meet the criteria of receiving specialist, you know, eating disorder yeah. dietitian. I didn't, you know, get fast tracked or anything. I didn't require any. That's not good. Any help at that point. So it wasn't until October, where sort of all the kind of triggers of things that had happened over the years had been brought out by COVID and by certain sort of life events mm -hmm. and all kind of came to a head. I was, I think I'd paid, you know, a few thousand in my own therapy because I couldn't get anything <sighs> through the NHS. Um, and eventually I got to the point where I couldn't leave the house to go to, to work. Like a sort of agoraphobia type thing? I was completely inconsolable I would be crying Ugh. screaming I couldn't physically move myself I didn't know how there was so much going on in my brain I didn't know how to get myself yeah to the next step oh god that's terrible to the point where my mum came over and um I lost quite a lot of weight within a few weeks to the point where I then had to get taken to my mum's house it was either go to my mum's house or go to hospital and I'd see three medical professionals a week and if I wasn't seen by them, you know, my mum had to go and see them to mm. let them know that basically I was okay. I had to have my weight monitored. I had to have everything monitored. Um, and suddenly it's gone from no help to so much help. But it's 
it's not too late. Obviously, it wasn't too late. Yeah. But in my eyes, it was. Yeah. I was screaming out for this help. I was looking for pre- preventative care. And the doctors were like, oh, we'll write a complaint to the hospital. And I'm like, I don't want a complaint. I just want help. Yeah. And by that point, you know, it'd gone from me just needing a bit of help to me not being able to work, not being able to do anything and barely being able to function. Um, and then a lot of other sort of health issues then came into play with this. Mm-hmm. Um, OCD and ADHD came into play mm. because my brain was getting kind of confused with the lack of food and yeah. water and stuff. So I think like she just as you're describing all this to me as well, it must be quite tough to kind of go over, but Yeah, you look distressed. <laughs> I know, I just cause it, you don't like hearing about, you know, people going through that type of thing and I can kinda of see it written across your face a wee bit as well. But I think you know, on one hand you could look at it and go, bloody hell, like that was absolutely awful. But on the other hand, I don't know how you made it through that, but on the other hand, you could kind of think the fact that you did make it that far is testament to some sort of strength and fortitude that you've very clearly got. I mean, yeah, were you aware so of that or did you just think, I'm knackered, I'm done? At the time, I didn't want to get better. I'd, I, I couldn't see a way forward with it. Mm. You know... Um, well, that way forward obviously does come. So oh, what, completely. So at what point did you get to And that? I knew that there was going to be a way forward and yeah. I said from the November of that year so literally I'd been off work for a couple of weeks I said as soon as I make it to the other end I'm going to speak out about this as much as I can mm-hmm. because there's going to be so many other people in my position oh do you know I, I can spot from honestly for 10 miles I can spot somebody who's for want of a better term like an egotist and I, do you know what people have got their own reasons right but I get, I get approaches all the time yeah, I come talk about this and I'm like no. <laughs> I, this isn't me being judge and jury, right? But I have to go on my feeling and what I can see, and I'm like, I think you're a bit disingenuous, or I think that, yeah, there may be a byproduct of some good, and and why shouldn't you get a benefit of it? But I'm like, not for me. I can't lend a platform. I've been stung with that a few times. Yeah. And I've learned my lesson, um, and I have a good responsibility as well for anything that gets put out. One, it's got my name to it, but people listen to it and. People can be impressionable, especially if it's a subject matter that really strikes a chord with them or resonates yeah. in some way. But from after I was speaking about it, I very and having looked at like sort of Instagram and stuff. If you want me to share that, we can. Yeah. I was thinking this is done in a very good way, and and the things that stuck out at me, um, are really stuck out for me were the way in which it was written. It wasn't self-indulgent sort of pity party, and it was with a point essentially there's a beginning middle end there's the issue there's the worsening of the issue but then there's the solutions and the outcome that that worked for you yeah and I thought there is a hell of a lot of value in that and and being able to share that and yeah that for me that's why I thought that's it that's worthwhile it's it's really worthwhile there's two reasons why I did the posts I mean we're almost at the point now where I did do the post but one was purely because, I mean, if you search on any sort of platform, TikTok, Google, if you search eating disorder, all it comes up to begin with is just, you know, call. Yeah, your message, number. aye. Yeah. You can't, you can't um, write about it. I've tried to do TikToks to raise awareness in the past. You can't, they get yeah. taken down. And that's the term. See that term? See when I hear raise awareness? 
it's like, imagine if my nerves were a piano. It's like somebody smashing on the keys. I'm like, fucking raise awareness of what? You? A lot of the time. Yeah. But with you, you're right. Because this is one of those... It's so taboo. Yeah, it's one of those things when, yeah, there actually isn't an awareness or an education. It's the type of thing you use the word and it's the perfect description. It's taboo. And I bet you, or I hope there will be, the people listening to this that are probably feeling maybe like as if a belt has been released from around their chest or as if they're like oh my god like it's not just me there are others um, i was hunting so much like see at that point where i didn't have you know the dietitians and um i mean i'm so thankful that i see one still i mean i've seen her every week and i still see her every month yeah um and that'll continue for some time and we're what three years on almost four yeah. Um, and what a difference. But yeah, the there you, there's there's not much out there, and it, I know that it's done in a way to stop people from searching for it and l- using it as a target. Yeah. But there's also people who need to search it to look for help. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know where the help was, and at that point, I didn't want the help. Um, but the turning point was I I I wanted to get better for my family. Yeah. And. I think as somebody who's gone through everything I've gone through, I mean, I would do it again to be the person I am today because I think it's taught me a whole lot of lessons. It's a I've, terrifically stoic way of looking at things. I've learned so much. I'm so in tune with my body. I know now about all, you know, what caused all the anxiety. I've kind of got closure for it all. Um, I think talking about it even today will sort of help bring some of that as well. Yeah. But... um my family was like the main reason why I wanted to to get better and then it kind of hit a point kind of Christmas time where I realized right I need to I need to really do something here we were three months in I was expecting to take a couple of days off work and I actually ended up taking 52 weeks off work so it was quite a long time um the toll it took on my body was immense and the toll it took my family that's what I was just saying. I would rather go through it again a million times myself than have to be a family member watching oh, their child wow. or something That's go through it. That's a very, very profound. Because... So I was going to ask what it was like for that. I suppose they've got no control whatsoever. That's the thing. The control is fully mine. Yeah, I felt out of control, but the control was fully mine. Yeah. Nobody else could do anything. They Nothing couldn't, they can do. They couldn't do anything. Um... But yeah, for all my family and stuff and friends actually didn't know about it until about March time. Maybe a couple knew, but I didn't speak to anybody. I completely went off the grid. There was no posts on social media for six months. Um, People might go out so, but in this day and age, our age is kind of, that's highly unusual. There's no photos on my phone at all. I have not not a single picture from me from when I was at my worst shall we say um there's absolutely no evidence of anything and i actually don't remember november december and january what year 2020 2020 going into 2021 or is it 2021 going into 2022 if it's 2020 it's going into 21 no i think it's 2021 going into 2022 by this point i can't Ah, remember i'm losing track (laughs) if it was 2020 i was going to say then result because that was but um You've then you're probably looking for outlets. Was that when the the art and stuff kind of came about then? Completely. So um, 
I couldn't, had no concentration in anything. As I say, like the ADHD tendencies came out at this point. Um, you looking at the art I'm, behind. I'm, I'm looking at the art as, uh, yeah, as I sit behind me, it's really good. I really like the one on the right. Um, uh, so yeah, is that the good vibes only or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thanks very much. You've just outed me as an absolute live, laugh, love merchant. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is that fucking original? Where would you get that, mate? B&M. <laughs> um, so yeah, so um, people were giving me, you know, drawing books. I, I just wasn't really interested. And then um, I watched a art tutorial on uh, Sophie T Art, I think it's called. And she's just absolutely amazing. And the irony of me painting bodies, I think. You you paint female body Nudes. minus clothing. <laughs> Nudes, yeah. <laughs> Am I, is my face going red? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, um, so, yeah, it's kind of an interesting thing to have done. But I used it. For good, I actually decided that I'd get a few paintings and mm. when I was ready to talk about it, when I made that Instagram post in the March 2022, I think 22 it was. Ago. Yeah, it was a year and a half ago. Um, so when I made that post, I knew that I was going to try and raise money as well for Beat, which is the eating disorder charity. Really good website. Um, I actually went on they have like um you can do one-to-one chats and it's not just like a robot it's somebody you're speaking to and i think it's not just for you know somebody who's struggling but also for families too brilliant right let's um as always as i will now have probably written into my intro which will be recorded tomorrow (laughs) um but as i always do the link uh to beat is in right here we go so it's www.beateatingdisorders.org.uk and, you know, as has just been said, if you feel that you would like to use that, then... Absolutely amazing. I direct so many people to it. I actually directed my mum to it wow. and she got a lot of help from it. Yeah. Um, I've directed people even as recently as four weeks ago to it. Wow. So it's yeah, 18 mom. months on... Your poor mum's got, like, oh, she's got her she's own. She's an angel. And it's not as if she can be like, right, can we just have sit down and have a coffee and I'll tell you about the stress you're causing me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and the worry I've got for you. <clears throat> so that's yeah. good that she had that. Yeah, so it's it's amazing. And I was like, as soon as I'm able to, I'm going to raise money. So I think I raised just under a £1,000, well which done, I you. gave well just straight to the charity. Mm-hmm. Um, and they sent me out a lovely letter after from it as well um i'd be expecting at least a blue peter badge (laughs) at least and a gold one at that um so yeah and also there was a girl called alana who lives in venice she's actually an ambassador for beat all right and she herself has beat an eating disorder so i'll tell you what we can maybe share this uh this conversation with them they can do with it whatever they please yeah so she um in exchange for £900. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so she was a massive help as well in just having somebody who was going through yeah. similar. And it's not similar because we were s- such different eating disorders, but similar in that it's it's a very similar journey that you do go through. Yeah, but, um, yeah I'd imagine, although they have their own complexities and dimensions, pretty much mm-hmm. similar signposts in a way. 
yeah completely um so yeah so one of the main reasons I did the post was where I just kind of basically came out and said I I have an eating disorder and it was the way I kind of wrote it was more mental health as a whole because somebody somewhere is going to have gone through something and a friend or family is going to be impacted by it whether it's an eating disorder whether it's some sort of health thing and I think everyone could kind of resonate with it um and a lot of people messaged me after me doing the post I actually I think within the first hour or so got 90 messages from people wow now I just I put the post up I I remember so well I was in outside Tesco's and I put my phone in airplane mode and I just completely freaked out throw the grenade and then be like shit 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 I just I didn't know what the response was going to be like because the response I'd had from work hadn't been good oh yeah and just from that response I'd kind of expected a lot of negativity but it was the complete opposite when I did the post and yeah I phoned my best friend after I took my phone off airplane mode. I phoned her and I was like, what have I done? What have I done? And she kind of calmed me down. And you ready to post something saying, only kidding. <laughs> yeah, <Bye. laughs> just joking. Um, so yeah, so I then, you know, went on, opened my phone and it just literally, the amount of messages pouring in. God. And you know, out of the first 90 messages that I got, 30 of them were people who I knew who had eating disorders. Bloody hell. One of them being one of my best friends. Fuck's sake. Well, this is like, you would have listened to the chat with Poppy. Mm-hmm. And I said something like, oh, this is awful. And, and I said, I'm hoping, I'm guessing, you know, most people won't be able to specifically relate. And then I And you were one of the people that were, uh, by the <laughs> I get, Excuse me. <laughs> I get loads of those messages. Yeah. And I was like, oh, didn't you mean to be ignorant? I just... I just, that was my, that genuinely, if you held a gun to my head and went, you know, what's your assumption one way or the other? I would go, eh, nobody does. This is probably one of those things that there'll be people I can even dream of. Probably getting touched with off the back of this. I don't yeah. know if you're open to people Absolutely, giving you a shit. yeah. But um, I was, I think, ignorant to the fact that it was going to be people as close to me as one of my best friends. Yeah. And I had absolutely no idea. And then I'm like, I've gone through it, she's gone through it, and none of us have Fucking actually... Hell. And then it circles all the way back to it being taboo, yeah. which is why I, I have a, a genuinely profound respect for you doing it because don't please don't take this word the wrong way, but I would imagine it's a bit embarrassing for you. Mm, like it's that was another reason why. So this was the second reason why I did the post. I almost I think I found that other people were more embarrassed than I was. Yeah. Because I would have took it as if people just wouldn't know what to think. And I'd be like, oh, I can't be asked with that speculation or chat about me. And... So I think like, so see, like I, I would get comments like, oh, you're so thin. Can I get like your workout for the gym? Like, yeah. um, oh, I, I had a comment, somebody saying, oh, I've been off for three days with a sickness bug. Why are you still thinner than I am? Oh, and, yeah. People say that all the time. Um. I had uh, somebody at work who actually knew about the eating disorder grab my stomach and be like to the children at work like oh she's clearly ate all the all the biscuits hasn't she children and stuff and yeah um, what are you doing? literally there's so many different comments that are engraved in my mind yeah. that people have said and that's, see with people who it stays with you yeah but see with people who are 
genuinely there for you and genuinely care for you and if somebody says something and they don't mean it yeah and then i say oh actually i've got an eating disorder they completely shrivel up they're mortified yeah at it and i didn't want anyone close to me to feel embarrassed or anything about it and not then oh, be yeah. able to feel that they could have a conversation with me so after you're, it you're essentially you're taking control of the situation and yeah, it so, makes sense. So I made the post to be like, you know, if you see me out and about, basically, I didn't say it, but if they see me out and about, they could then just, if they wanted to, ask me how I was yeah. and go on from it instead of going backwards with it. Yeah. We've got, you know, as, as we kind of move forward to now, to today, the 16th of October, 2023, three years on, like you, you're like a different, a totally different person. Mm-hmm. Do you realise that you're a lot, do you realise that you were unhappier than you had known? Oh my god! Uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Do you now look back and realise that you were particularly unhappy as you compare it to yourself now? Do you know night and day? Yeah. Night and day. That some, was easy for me to get that sentence out. Yeah. Like. Some people actually said that you know maybe they didn't know, maybe they've never known the real me. Maybe. Wow. Maybe the real me is what I am now. Yeah. And I've just never been able to be myself because mm-hmm. I've been... You've had a whole load of stuff to deal with. Mm-hmm. Stuff, stuff we won't touch on, but for out of respect for the people involved in life is life and relationships and human dynamics are incredibly complex and yeah. in a way that we can even begin to imagine. But there have been a few life events as well that have probably... They've not They've helped. They've contributed slight somewhat. Completely. But again, I think I'd go through it all again. I mean, not day by day because yeah. it was a lot. Yeah. But I think to have the outlook on life that I yeah. do now. Yeah. Like, I think before I was such a people pleaser. And mm-hmm. now I'm just, I'm my own person. And I think it's it's made me a better person. Yeah. Well, you know, as we kind of sign off, my impression, you know, from what I knew, I thought such a decent, thoroughly decent person who's who's been through some shit, <clears throat> but I had no idea of the, the level of intensity. And I think you deserve all the happiness in the world. You've absolutely earned it. Um, Thank and, you. Uh, yeah, and I, I really hope, and I think that this will, some people might take a tiny wee bit, some people might take loads more, but I hope that people listen to this realize that i'm not trying to capitalize in grief like hey everybody come listen to this podcast (laughs) download it and get up the charts like listen to this grief poem (laughs) or you know or like you know um, absolute misery let's revel in it and and for you i hope they realize and i'm sure they will because it completely comes across that it's not been a case of oh poor me because here we are now finishing off on a note where you've you're finally getting to be the the real you as you kind of put it and you're probably I just ab- want people to know that like you know it does get better because mm-hmm. I remember like when everyone kept saying to me it gets better it does get better and I remember saying like you know it's another day and it's not got better it's got worse and then the next day I'd say it's not got better it's got worse and yeah. I actually remember we were talking about this earlier about photographic memory I remember exactly where I was when I stood in Tesco's and I said do you know what it's actually today's got better mm. and noticing like the ease of something yeah. and that like it was going to get 
things do. Things were going to You just need to hold on. Would you mind if I sign off and everything that I saw recently? First of all, thank you so much. And thank you. Thank you for the tap water. (laughs) Which tastes amazing up here. Not going to bore you, right? But see back down the road, somebody's like, if they give me a glass of tap water, I want to throw it at them. And I'm like, this tastes like metal. It tastes metallic. I told you you'd need both glasses. Yes. I've drank basically two pints of tap water. Um, It is honestly like you've poured Evian into... (laughs) A glass, I can't believe it. So up in the Highlands, they've always got better reservoirs or whatever it is. And I think in Glasgow, we got our water source for Loch Catherine, which was introduced in the sort of maybe late 1800s to start to battle diseases. I think it was like dysentery, maybe, or whatever it was. And uh, so it comes from Loch Catherine. And actually, one of the pipes exploded and burst in Mulgai, recently between Mulgai and Bear's Den. Um, and it was like Victorian. It had never been sort of updated since when it was first put into place. Anyway, I've gone on and on. The water's beautiful, and I think we need to get some new pipes in Glasgow. I think you do. <laughs> so, like, well done if you've stayed on through my pish talking about tap water. There. Um, but yeah, I want to thank you for the water. Thank you for sharing, and you've you've opened yourself up. You've been vulnerable there, and it can't have been easy. And over the coming days, you might have a lot going on in your head. But I think hopefully, you've probably laid some more stuff out there which you can mm-hmm. leave here as you move forward. Yeah. Um, but as I was kind of mentioning about. People might be listening and whatever. And I don't know because I, I don't know who's listening really unless they get in touch and tell me. But the one thing I saw and it was really nice and I screenshotted it because I sent it to my pal. If you, let's just say, you're kind of at the start or middle of what is a tough journey, I would say, and I think this applies to you, you've been through so much, so what makes you think that you can't keep going? So true. It's really nice, isn't it? And we'll sign off there. Thank you. Please another glass of tap water, please. <laughs> and thank you for listening. I sincerely hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll be back with another episode of Blethered soon. Cheers. Bye.